All right, everybody doing good this morning? All right, some of you are. That's awesome, man. Well, good. Well, we are wrapping up our series, uh, What Happy Couples Know, and, and hopefully throughout this series, maybe there's been some things that have maybe helped you as a couple, or maybe you've been able to kind of hold the mirror up a little bit in front of yourself and realize, you know what, that's me, that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and here's the thing is you're going to work towards applying the truths that we've walked away with or that we've heard and that we will look for. Here's what I always tell people. Hearing one thing, that's a blessing. Applying it, that's where the change takes place. So we have to hear it and then apply it. And so today we're talking about commitment. And commitment is one of those powerful things that's almost anti-cultural to what we do. You know, we, we look around and, you know, we, uh, you know, we sign contracts, but those don't really mean anything, do they? You know, we sign a contract for a phone. You're just waiting for somebody to come along that will buy it out and give you a better deal. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It seems like this day and time, it's hard to find commitment. You know, and so we hear a story. Maybe somebody says, you know, uh, man, I've been working at this company, you know, like 40 years. Now we go, dude, that is a long time. It's almost unheard of. But how many of you guys remember hearing your dads or your granddads or guys like that that had worked at a company for 40, 50 years and would retire from that, that plan? Anybody remember people like that? Man, I do. And I, now you hear somebody been somewhere 20 years, you're like, dude, that's a long time. That's a long time, man. You've been here that long. And so it's a loyalty thing. A lot of times people were loyal to the company or the company was loyal to the employees. And so they did a good job of taking care of them. But today it seems like it's all about the dollar. You know, hey, it's, it's, hey what is the profit margin? You know, if it's a profit margin, then we'll be loyal to you. If not, we're going to let you go. And so there's a, there's a whole change of mindset that commitment is not what it used to be, it seems. And so I want us to kind of look today at commitment. And so this passage we've been talking about throughout this series, we kind of launch from here, because this is Jesus giving us a new commandment. And he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. All right, now we've talked about love. Whenever we look at it in, from God's you know, economy, it's completely different than what the world says. And so God gives us a different picture of love. Last week we talked about this. We said love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ is our message as Christ, uh, Christ followers. And so it's the message of the gospel. It is, it is love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness is the message of the gospel. Love and forgiveness is the message for us as believers to live out. It is the mission of the church. We talked about that. And so love and forgiveness. But I would even say that commitment is part of that. It is part of that message that we see in love. Yeah, and so here we are. We're looking at this statement. It says love and forgiveness through, through, through Jesus Christ is our message as Christ followers. And so we've got to understand, you know what, how I live out that truth that I'm willing to forgive, that I love them to the point that I'm willing to forgive. I love them to the point I'm willing to serve. I love them to the point that I'm willing to die to some things that are for me so that they might flourish. That's for me to live out. But like I said, also commitment. And let me just say this. You know, we're committed to a lot of things here at Journey Church and I think commitment is one of those powerful things that when people see certain things that you're committed to, it becomes a pillar or a strength. And so for us as a church, we are committed to teaching the Word of God. We're committed to that. And we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. You know, there's going to be times where it may not be the popular thing to teach. It may not even be politically correct. But I'm just telling you, we're committed as a church to the teaching of God's Word, to the truth of God's Word, because we believe that the truth will set you free. We believe that it brings healing. And so we're committed to that. You know, it's one of those things where, you know what, we're not bending on that. We're not giving on that. So we're committed to the teaching of God's Word. We're committed to the reaching the lost of our community. We are committed to doing everything we can to reach people who are far from God because that is the mission of our church, 
That is the mission of every believer. And so we're committed to do whatever it takes, putting resources towards it. We're committed to making disciples. This past weekend, we just had man camp. And, man, we had a blast out there. And, and, and it was a completely different group in a lot of ways than some of the guys we had last year. But here's what we're saying. We're committed to the men. We want to invest in those men. We want to disciple them. We want to see them become faithful followers. We want to see them lead their homes. We want to see them make a difference in the church, in the community. We're committed to that. And we'll put resources towards that. You know, we're committed to families. You know, one of the things that we're about to start in just a few weeks over here in our children's ministry is we're about to do a $75,000 to $100,000, you know, improvement and remodeling just to kind of invest in that area because we want parents, whenever they come here, to go, you know what, they believe in kids. They invest in children. They believe in the family. And so I'm just telling you, as a church, we are committed to doing things at a very high level. And we want to do that to honor God, but we also want parents to feel like, you know what, they care about my kids. And so we're going to invest in it. So if you're committed, you can sign a check right now, and you can drop it in the offering basket at the end. We'll see how committed you are to that. But we are, we are going to invest. We believe in families. We, we are committed to them. We're committed to helping people who are going through hurts and habits and hang-ups. We have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that meets every Monday night. And let me tell you, we're committed to investing and helping. So those are some things we're invested in. We, we're committed to missions. Where we met for man camp this past weekend is Christian Missions Unlimited. And we invest. So every time that you give, you're investing in a ministry that helps invest in, in missions. So our, our, we just had a, a team that went down to Brazil that helped build a church in Brazil, and it was through Christian Missions Unlimited. So we support Chuck and his ministry. He let us go down and meet at man camp. We, we sent a team down there. Next month, I'll be going to South Africa to teach pastors and to train pastors. There's about 100 pastors. There's about uh, 20 uh, pastors' wives that are going to be there. And so me and another group of pastors and, and some of these, uh, and a couple of ladies are going to be teaching and training pastors in South Africa that will go out and they will literally you know, infiltrate the, the nations, if you will, of Africa. And so why don't we do it? Because we believe in missions. We believe in the Great Commission. And we're, here's the thing, we are committed to that. We're willing to put resources, time, energy, effort to those things. And I think most of us in this room would go like, yeah. All right, well, what about your marriage? Are you committed? Are you committed to the point that you put time, energy, resources, sacrifice, so that your marriage can flourish? And we should. Every believer ought to be just as committed to the, to the marriage and our marriages as we are to the Great Commission. We ought to say, you know what, man, my marriage is part of the Great Commission. It is part of my witness. It is part of my testimony. And so how committed I am to my spouse is a huge part of my testimony. And then my kids will see that, you know what, my faith is for real. You know, my faith and my commitment to my spouse is for real. My kids will see that. My friends will see that. My coworkers will see that. My family will see that. People will see that, you know what, this that he is committed to, this marriage Man, it has been impacted by Jesus Christ, just like everything else that I just mentioned. And they'll go, you know what? This Jesus is real. Look at this statement here. It says, Jesus modeled commitment and sacrifice in relationships. I mean, if anybody did, he did. Jesus modeled love and forgiveness. We talked about that. We talked about it last week. Jesus modeled love and forgiveness. He came to forgive me who was living in sin. When I was yet a sinner, he chose to forgive me. He chose to die for me. He chose to bleed out His precious blood for me, for you. Whenever I was far from Him, when I wasn't living for Him. And so Jesus is all about love. He loved me first before I ever loved Him. He forgives me 
even whenever I am walking in transgressions and literally rolling around in the sin that put him on the cross, he chooses to forgive. But he's also committed too. So Jesus models commitment and sacrifice. Look at this is John chapter 17 in the Gospel of John. Let me just say this. You know, we have the, a lot of us would say it's the Lord's Prayer, it's more the model prayer that most of us have memorized and we quote. Sometimes we get in, we do it before a football game or something like that. And so that's, the, that's kind of the model prayer, but this is the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus praying in John chapter 17. And He's praying to the Father. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil ones. He's saying, listen, there's a devil. There's an evil one. There is, a, there is an enemy, and I hope you guys get that. It's not like, hey, oh, the devil's not really real. Jesus says He is. Jesus praying against Him right here. He said, God, I'm asking you to protect them. Father, I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. He says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Why, by, by what? By your word. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. It's the word of God. It's the power of God at work in us. And so here's the thing. We're to go into the world. Jesus is praying. He's praying for all believers, not just the disciples. He's praying for all of us that would hear the gospel, all of us that would respond in faith. He's praying for us in John chapter 17. And he's saying, God, I'm asking you to fill them. God, I'm asking you to protect them. And God, I'm asking them, I'm praying for you to send them out. And so part of the plan is that we're to be about the Great Commission. He said, I'm praying not only for, for these disciples, but also for the, all who will ever believe in me through your message, or through their message. I pray that they will, they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. All right, so listen to this. What he's saying, he's saying, God, Father, I'm praying, Father, I'm praying that they will be one, that there will be unity, there will be focus and, and they, will, they will literally come together and they will make a difference. And listen to what he says. So that the world will believe that you sent me. So we have a part in the Great Commission. We have a part in our unity. If you have a divisive spirit, let me tell you, you're working against Jesus. And so he is calling us to be one, to be focused, to be powerful, to be, be, a, be a light in the darkness. And he said, hey, listen, Father, I'm praying that they will be committed to this message. I'm praying they'll be committed to this truth. And so I would just say this, that our marriages are a huge part of our witness. It's a huge part of our commitment. Our relationships ought to, we ought to, we ought to be a person of our word. You know, it was, when, if we say we're going to do something, you know what? People can count on it. That we're a person of integrity. We're a person of character. We're a person of truth. That's what he said. That they will be sanctified. They'll be holy people because of your truth. So God wants us to be people that live that out. Here, this next passage here, Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's commitment. He said, listen, I will be there. I'll be there until the end of time, until the end of the age. So Jesus, here's the thing. He's modeling love and forgiveness. He's telling us, hey, guys, I need you to be committed to this, this message. I need you to be sharing this hope. I need you to be intentional with how you live. And so Jesus is giving the disciples this great commission. And he's calling us here in this day and age 
Hey, to be one. To be one as the Father and I am one. Lord, let them be one so that the world will know that, I, that you sent me. So part of the fact that people believe, they, they look at the church and they go, you know what, man, that church is on fire for Christ. And man, they are like an army making a difference. You know what, and there's unity there. And here's the thing, the world goes, that must be God. That must be God at work there because I know how people are. I know how humans are. But they see that the unity is there. And it's not a divisive spirit, but a spirit of unity and power and authority that Jesus gave to the disciples and he gives it to the church. To go and make disciples. So you wonder, hey, why are we committed to this making disciples and investing and, and putting resources towards those things? Because that's what Jesus called us to do. Here's the thing is too often, Jesus is not the model we follow. Jesus models commitment, sacrifice, love, and forgiveness. Too often, He's not the, the model that we follow. Too often, for the believer, for Christians, He's not the model that we follow. What we do is, is we follow maybe the pattern that was given to us. For many of us in this room, maybe you kind of grew up in a home where commitment was not something that you saw in your mom or your dad or your grandmother your grandfather. I, I've been in a couple of conversations this past week, and, and, and I was talking to this one guy, and he was telling me about this one guy, and he said something about, you know, that he used to be married to such and such. And I was like, he's been married before? And he was like, he's on his third marriage. I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. You know, and this guy's fairly young. I was like, I didn't realize that. And so, anyway, we were talking, and somebody else came up, and we were talking about how, long, how you know, how many times they had been married. And I'm like, God, man, I can't imagine. I said, you know, to be married that many times. And I know some of you may be in the same boat, because anyway, I'm sitting there, and I said, hey, listen, I can't get my mind around it. I said, because, you know, like, Laurie and I, we made this commitment for a lifetime. You know, we've been through some tough times, and, you know, we've had to get counseling, but, you know, we were committed to each other. And I can't imagine having to swap kids out and, hey, I'll meet you here to get these kids and, and, you know, and just all that's involved in that. And he goes, yeah, he said, I've been married twice and I'm, I'm living with the person I'm living with now. And I'm like, okay, let me pull my, my, my foot out of my mouth, you know, because I just stepped all in it. And, uh, but here's the thing, that's truth. And so here's the culture that we live in is, hey, listen, if it ain't working out, check out. Hey, if they're not meeting your needs, you know, you can go. It blows my mind how easy it is to get a divorce in this day and age. We had, we had a family in our church one time that had put down a prayer request and said, hey, be praying for us. You know, it's, things are rocky. Things are not going well. And, and that was on Sunday that that was turned in. So I think it was Tuesday we called him. I said, I just want you to know we're praying for us. Hey, it's okay. We're, we're signing papers Thursday night. And I'm like, what? That quick you can just step out of it. You know, and I'm sitting there going, that blows my mind. You know, and, so, and, and listen, I understand if there's abuse taking place, if, if your life is in danger, you don't need to be in that relationship. I don't want you to misunderstand me. But hey... If we're just not getting along, we don't like each other anymore. Where's the commitment at? Where, where, hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus modeled commitment. He modeled sacrifice. He modeled dying to self. Where's that at in my marriage? Where's that at in my relationships? And so here's what I would say. We have to change the way we think. Many of you may have grown up. Maybe your parents were married multiple times. Maybe your dad was a womanizer. Maybe your mom, maybe she, 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 she loved you know, the bars or whatever. I don't know. But too often what we do is, well, that was what was modeled for me, Mike. And I understand that people can be a product of their environment. But, man, if you're a believer, if you have put your faith in Christ, you are a new creation. Man, the old is gone and the new has come. And so here's the thing. We have to allow God to change the way we think. And so we have to just say, God, this is what was modeled for me. I don't know how to treat my wife. This is what was modeled for me. I don't know how to treat my husband. But, God, I need you to teach me. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to teach you. 
You know what the Holy Spirit does? He teaches us. The Holy Spirit will take the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, and He will teach us and He will change us and He will transform us to become more and more like Christ, who was committed and who was loving and forgiving and, and, and literally was willing to even sacrifice. Look at this passage here, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I read this often because it's so critical. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. And what Paul is saying, I'm begging you. I beseech you. I plead with you. Listen to what I'm saying. And this is Paul. He is pleading right here. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Think about the price that was paid for your salvation. He's saying, man, if God was willing to give His Son, can't you give Him your life? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice because... Of all his, but this, let me try that again. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is what everybody in this room ought to desire. Anybody with any kind of brains would go, you know what, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That just sounds good. I mean, that sounds good. You go, you know what, God, that's what I desire. That's what I want. But there are times that God's good, pleasing, and perfect will may not be what we want. And maybe, maybe it is because, you know what, hey, I'm looking around, and this is what he gets to do, and this is what she gets to do, and we begin to look at the pattern that's here rather than the pattern that's here. And we go, God... You know, he, he stepped out of his marriage. He left his marriage. He claims to be a Christian. You know, and so is it okay for me to do the same? Because, you know, I'm not liking this situation and, you know, we're not getting along. And, and too often what we do is we, 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 we look at there, we, we say love. All right, well, love becomes an emotion too, too often rather than a decision. And so we go, we just don't love each other anymore. We don't like each other anymore. There's going to be days you don't like each other. There's going to be days you don't love each other. But are you committed to one another? And so you might, might say, well, Mike, if we don't love each other, we don't need to be in a relationship. That's not true. That's the world's pattern. Hey, we don't feel that warm fuzzy anymore, so, you know, I think it's time to check out. You know, we, just, we don't even like being around each other. Well, maybe you ought to work on what caused you to drift apart. Maybe you ought to say, hey, look, listen, let's dig down and find out what the problem is. And too often it's like, you know, we get a splinter. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and cut my hand off because something's making my hand hurt. Instead of, hey, why don't I deal with the splinter that's right here? And so, you know, Jesus is all about forgiveness, love, commitment, and sacrifice. And so maybe we have, to, we, ha we have to evaluate what we've been taught. Maybe what you've been taught, hey, if it's not working out, check out. Maybe it's the, the, the model. I was talking with a young man last, last week, and he was telling me that his grandparents, about how many times they had been married. And I'm sitting there going, and like I said, I've heard that over and over. And I know that there's many of you in here that maybe you're on your first, second, or third marriage. I don't know. But I'm just saying, whatever you're in, commit to it. If you're in this relationship, work it. Hey, I'm going to honor God from this point forward. You know, you can't go back and change some of the decisions you made. But you can learn from them. And you can say, you know what, from this point forward, I'm going to honor God. It's like young people oftentimes, they'll say, well, you know, I'm not a virgin, Mike. You know, and I've already kind of messed that up or whatever. Here's like, choose from this point forward, I'm going to save myself from my spouse. From this point forward. And then quit, quit looking back and quit walking back down that road. Say, oh, from this point forward. So whatever relationship you're in, if it's a marriage, say, you know what? We're committed to, to working things out. We're committed to it. And so we have to change the way we think. We have to maybe reevaluate we, what we've been taught and go, you know what? What, what I've been taught hasn't been working. This is, 
a couple of things here. How Happy couples know that marriage takes commitment. Happy couples know that marriage takes commitment. We live in a time and an age whenever marriages end in divorce all the time. This past week, uh, Clarence and Leah Chandler, I saw where they celebrated 61 years of marriage. They were in the first service. Dude, is that awesome? 61 years of marriage. I, I'd have clapped for that. 61 years of marriage. There's some that have been married longer. Now, here's the thing. They probably didn't like each other all the time. They probably didn't always say the nicest thing to each other. But, you know, the thing is, is they were committed. And I know some people say, well, Mike, you can't be just committed to, to marriage. And I get that. But here's the thing is, I think it's important for us to honor our word. I think it's to focus on, hey, what are, what are we entering into? Maybe before we get married is the best thing. Hey, let's think about before I say I do to this person, I need to make sure, is this who I want to spend the rest of my life with? And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's one of the first things I ask someone. Hey, are you sure this is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with? And they'll look at each other with goo-goo eyes like, oh, yeah. And I watched one couple do that, and six months later they were divorced. I'm like, that goo-goo ran out, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like, dude, you know, where was the commitment there? Happy couples know that marriage takes commitment. I put the same verse there. It says, so now, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So Jesus says to love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. All right, now, so that passage talks about love. Well, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which talks about love as patient and kind. It doesn't keep any record of wrongs, remember? And so when we start talking about love, it's not so much it's an emotion, it's decisions. It's things that we do. It's honoring commitments. And so happy couples know that, you know, it takes commitment that I have to choose to love, I have to choose to forgive, I have to choose to be, you know, I'm in this to, for the, to the very end. I, like Jesus said, hey, I am there to the end. A scene that popped into my head was Captain America and Bucky. Hey, man, I'm in it to the end. I'm in this with, with you to the end. But in our marriage, that ought to be our mentality. Hey, you know what? We're in this. One of the things that Laurie and I made a decision years ago is that we took divorce off the table and said, you know what, it's not an option. I think too often it is. It's a bargaining chip. And here's the thing is, if we've got something we can run to like that, then we will run there. And here's the thing, we will use it as a stone to throw or something to threaten with. Like, oh yeah, well I'll just divorce you. I'll just divorce you. And so it becomes a threat. It becomes a stone. And what we ought to say is, you know what, let's get rid of that. Let's go ahead and get that off the table. It's not even an option. If we're getting married, man, we're going to be committed to each other. We may not always like each other, but we're going to be committed to each other. And a lot of people say, well, Mike, that's not healthy. No, I think it is healthy. It gives stability to the relationship. Now, are the things you have to work through? Yes. Are the times that you don't like each other and you need counseling? Yes. Are the times that you need people to help you kind of navigate? Yes. But it doesn't mean that you know, you're saying, hey, listen, it's just going to be hell from now on. No, that's not what we're saying. But it means that you're committed to this person to the end. Happy couples know that marriage is a covenant. Happy couples know that marriage is a covenant. Too often we look at it like it's a contract. But a covenant is different. And let me, let me read this to you here. It says, Scripture teaches that family was God's idea and that marriage is a divine, not merely a human institution. Humans are not free to renegotiate or redefine marriage in any way they choose. But they are called to preserve and respect what has been divinely instituted. See, too often in our culture, we're wanting some stinking court to define what marriage is. God's already defined it. We're like, well, what's the, what's the law say? The, the Word of God says that marriage is a man and a woman for a lifetime. 
And too often, we're wanting our government to decide what marriage is for us. Right? And here's the thing, it's a divine institution. It's not a legal institution, really. It's a divine institution. And too often, we're looking for someone to tell us, hey, what is my commitment here? You need to know what your commitment is. And you need to understand that marriage is a covenant that you enter into between you and another person, and you involve God in that. And it's a powerful thing. So marriage is far more than a human social contract. It is a divinely instituted covenant. It is a covenant. And so you might say, well, Mike, what is a covenant? A covenant is a, it's, it's like a, a contract on steroids. It's a, it's a commitment on steroids. And, and so the thing is, is what we do is when we look at covenant, if we were to back up into the Bible and we go back and we look at some of the covenants, even like with Abraham and God, God and Abraham entered into a covenant. And, and so Abraham literally takes this bull and cuts him into pieces and he walks between those pieces and says, God, if I don't honor this covenant, then do to me what's been done to this animal. That's how serious it was. And, and, and a lot of times we don't know all the parallels and all the symbolism that's in a wedding ceremony. But whenever we do wedding ceremonies, oftentimes what we do is we, we, we see things that are taught in the Bible that were modeled in the Bible. But a lot of times it's become just something that we have picked up from someone else. Because we've been to enough weddings and we say, well, that's the way mom and dad's was. That's the way... My grandparents' wedding was. That's the way it is in all the magazines. But we don't realize some of the teaching that is in just the whole format of a wedding. But a lot of it points to a covenant. And so what we do is we'll often say, are you with the bride or are you with the groom? And we'll see the groom's family on one side and the bride's family on the other side, right? And they want a center aisle, right? And the reason is, is because you're walking down between the halves of the families. So over here is one half, over here is one half. And literally what that's supposed to mean is, hey, you know what, we're establishing a covenant. And we're walking down between the halves and we're saying, God, this is a covenant. And then we get into the ceremony and oftentimes we exchange promises or vows. And we exchange these promises and what we're doing is we're promising, hey, I promise to you that I will do these things. I promise to God that I will do these things. And so you're entering into to, to this covenant with this other person, these two people are coming together in the covenant with, and asking God to bless it, to put His hand on it. And so you've entered into this covenant relationship. So you walk down between the halves. You exchange gifts. Oftentimes we'll have a ring. You know, we'll say, hey, do you have a gift for your bride? And we'll take out a ring and we'll place it on her finger. And then we begin to say these words, these vows, these promises as we place this token of appreciation, as we, to as we place this gift on their finger. If you go back to Jonathan and David, you see where a covenant was established. They exchanged gifts. They exchanged gifts, and so these gifts were exchanged. It's not just to look good. It's not just to say, hey, you're off limits. Hey, man, I'm taken. That's not what it's about. It's a part of it. But what you're doing is you're establishing a covenant. And then even the bread. You know, back in the day in a covenant in the Old Testament, you would exchange food. And so what do we do with the wedding cake? We shove it in each other's mouth because it becomes a photo op, right? But really it's part of a covenant. It's part of a covenant. You're saying, you know what? What is mine is yours. And you're establishing a covenant relationship. The exchanging of names. You know, now we live in a culture where, hey, I've got to keep my own name. I've got to be who I am, you know. But in a day, you would exchange names. And it was a powerful thing. And you were saying, you know what? We are becoming one. And so oftentimes we would say, hey, it's my, my uh, opportunity for the very first time to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. whatever their last name may be. And so what you're doing is you're establishing a covenant. And you might say, well, Mike, I didn't know all that whenever I got married. You do now. And so here's what I'm saying is we've got to look at marriage as a covenant. It's not some contract that we can break like your cell phone 
or your cable or whatever. You know, but you're looking at, hey, you know what, this is, a, this is a biblical thing. This is a divine thing. If we go back to the very first wedding that took place, God officiated that. He creates Eve out of Adam. He brings them together and He officiates this wedding. He instituted marriage. So it's not a man thing, it's a God thing. And too often what we do is we, we, we bring it down to our level, and we bring it down to our wants, we bring it down to what we think it ought to be. Who cares what you think it ought to be whenever God says this is what marriage is? So we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I want what you want. God, I desire what you, you desire. God, I, I want to honor you. Look at this passage here in Matthew. It says, some Pharisees came to Jesus and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus says, haven't you read the Scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Those are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And so, again, remember, they're trying to trap him. Because there was two different types of teaching that were going around. One was that you could only you know, have a, a, an issue of divorce or sign a letter of divorce if there had been infidelity. If there had been sexual infidelity, then you had a right to, to, to divorce. And then there was another one where there was a, a teacher that was teaching that, hey, it was okay to divorce or anything. Hey, your wife burns the biscuits, dude. You can let her go. If she doesn't, if she doesn't cook the way you want her to, if she doesn't do what you want her to do, you can sign a, a form of divorce and let her go. And Jesus addressed, he said, the reason the divorce came, it was never God's plan. It was never God's plan for there to be divorce. You know, but here's the thing. Out of, because of your hard hearts, there was a concession. And so what he's saying is, listen, rather than abusing these women because they were considered property, Ladies, if you, 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 know, you might think it's bad today. Back in the day, it was horrible. You had no rights. Your voice didn't carry any, any weight. And so God was looking out for the women. Hey, listen, don't, don't just abuse them. You let them go. You let them have life. And so divorce was given that way. So they're, asking, they're trying to trap Jesus. Hey, can you just get divorced for any reason? He goes, go back and look at what Scripture says. And I think that's important for us. Hey, let's go back and look and see what Scripture says. God's decision was, hey, man and woman for a lifetime. Committed to one another. For a lifetime. Honoring one another. Honoring Him. And, and so it, it, it's completely different than what the pattern of the world is. The, all that's changed. And so happy couples know to honor their vows. I think happy couples know to honor their vows. One of the things that I often ask in a wedding is I ask it like this. Hey, do you take this young lady whose hands you now hold to be your lawfully wedded wife? To live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony. And do you promise to love her and to comfort her? Do you promise to cleave unto her and her only? And do you promise to be a true and faithful husband as long as you both shall live? And normally they would answer with what? I do. So I've just asked a series of questions. And let me ask them again. Now, maybe you're listening now. Let's, let's, let me ask them again. Do you take the, the young, this young lady whose hands you now hold to be your lawfully wedded wife to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate, holy, it's a holy thing, state of matrimony. Do you promise to love her and comfort her, to be there for her? Do you promise to cleave unto her and her only? She is the only one. Do you promise to be true and faithful husband as long as you both shall live? That's a lifetime. And they say, I do or yes. And then I ask the woman the same question, right? And maybe in your wedding, it took, you may have got married at just a piece. I don't know if he asked those questions, but we do in a wedding. 
And so here's the thing. So then you ask the woman the same question, and she'll say, I do. So before we ever even step into vows or exchanging of a ring, we ask those questions. I ask those questions in the very beginning if I meet with someone. And so we're asking those questions, and so here's, here's what I'm saying. That's what you said you would do. That was your word that was given in front of witnesses and, and actually before God and right in the face of your spouse. So then I will ask them, do you have a gift for your bride or do you have a gift for your groom? And it's usually a ring. It's usually a ring. And then I'll, I'll say something like this. And I'm gonna just, I'll just use Adam and Eve here. So I, I Adam, so I'll tell them, I, say, I want you to repeat after me. I, Adam, take you, Eve, to be my wedded wife. To be my wedded wife. Now, if it was a lady, it'll be just the opposite of that. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse. I promise before God and these friends to love you and to cherish you in good times and in bad times, in times of joy and in times of grief. I promise to be true to you in sickness and in health. I, pro- I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. That's a lifetime. I don't know if you can figure that one out. I promise forsaking all others to cleave to you and to you only so long as we both shall live. May this ring be a symbol of of my priceless devotion and unending love that I have for you. May it serve as a, cons- as a consistent reminder of the commitment we now make together. With this ring, I thee wed, and all the worldly good I, I have, with thee I share. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so that is what is said in a wedding. And now here's the a, here's a tough thing. Too often, what happens is, whenever we come down that aisle, and we walk between the halves, and we walk up there, we're so nervous... And we're so afraid we're going to mess up that we really don't hear anything I'm probably saying. When I'm talking, it probably sounds like, won't, 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 won't. And they're, and they're just trying to figure out when to say I do and when to say, you know, whatever. I get that. But I think, I think it's important for us to know, you know, what did I promise? What were my vows? Because happy couples know honoring your vows is critical. Honoring what you said is vital to a relationship, to a marriage, to your witness to the power of, of, of God at work in your life. I mean, it's, it's vital to those things. And, and so when we, when we look down through there, we go, you know, man, are those the things that I promised? And some of you go, man, man, I don't remember saying some of those things. And maybe you didn't. The question is, did you mean it when you did say it? Are you willing to honor what you promised? Are you willing to honor what you committed to? You might say, Mike, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but God does. You might say, man, our, our marriage is rocky right now. I get that. There are so many days whenever we just don't like each other. I get that. There are days that we get stuck. There may be marriages in here right now that you're stuck. You just can't seem to get beyond where you are. You need to get some help. You need to get some counseling. Lori and I have hit those spots. Man, we've hit some spots where we, you know, we just didn't get along. We, didn't, we just didn't like each other a whole lot. And so we went to counseling and were able to work through some things. And I would just say this. It needs to be a Christian counselor. Don't just go get any kind of counselor. Get a Christian counselor. I don't believe that you can be completely healed with just any kind of counseling. It needs to be Christ-centered counseling. Christ-centered counseling. If it's humanism, dude, you ought to know as a believer, you know, humans, we're jacked up. We're messed up. And if we think that we can figure it out from within how to fix us, you know you're messed up. And you need to get some Christ-centered counseling. And so we all get, have those moments. And we've got to be open and honest and transparent. I've had many times I'll tell a couple, of say, hey, listen, I would encourage you guys to get some Christian counseling. Now, I'm not the best counselor. I'll go ahead and tell you guys. Sometimes people want, might do counseling and say, yeah, but you probably ain't going to like mine. I'm just being straight with you. And I only do it for a few sessions before I say, hey, you need to get somebody better than me. Because I, I don't feel like that's really my strength. 
But I would rather get them to somebody that, that is their gift, that is their strength. And most of mine is just biblical counseling and common sense. And so, but I will say this. I tell people, hey, listen, if, you know, you need to go to counseling. And oftentimes it'll be like, hey, well, he will go, but she won't go. Or she will go, but he won't go. And I always tell them, hey, listen, at least if one of you are going, half of the relationship is getting healthy. Half of the relationship is getting better. And your chances of the marriage making it improve even if only half of you are willing to go to counseling. And, and here's the thing. Maybe they'll see a difference in you. Maybe they'll see a change in you, and they'll end up going as well because they realize, you know what, it does work. So don't use the excuse, well, you know, my spouse won't go. Well, then you go. Don't sit there and go, well, they won't go, so I'm not going. All right, well, you're just as big a loser as they are. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, we're both going to go, and we're both going to work towards this. So let me read back through these, these uh, vows one more time. So I, Adam, take you, Eve, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. For better or for worse. There will be worse times, I promise you. There will be great days. And there will be bad days. It says, I promise before God and these friends. So it's a promise not only to my spouse, but I'm, I'm saying, hey, listen, I want witnesses to hold me accountable. Because we invite friends to come to that wedding, hopefully to hold us accountable. And you're not just inviting them so that you can get a, a gift. You know what I'm saying? I know that happens. I, I, I get that. But here's the thing, is hopefully you're inviting them because you want them to witness what God is doing. You want them to witness the power of God when He brings two completely different individuals together and He makes them one. And it becomes part of your witness to your family and to your friends. I promise before God and these friends to love you and to cherish you in good times and in bad times. In times of joy and in times of grief, and there will be grief. There will be loss. There will be pain. I promise to be true to you in sickness and in health. I will, honor, I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. That's for a lifetime. I promise, forsaking all others, you are my only one. I promise forsaking all others, I'll leave them behind. It doesn't matter who I dated. It doesn't matter who I've been around. I choose you and you alone. That's that exclusive thing that we talked about last week. You're talking about something that builds strength is whenever your spouse knows they are exclusive. I promise forsaking all those to cleave to you and you only so long as we both shall live. And then it says, May this ring be a symbol of my priceless devotion and unending love that I have for you. May it serve as a consistent reminder of the commitment we now make together. With this ring I thee wed and all the worldly good I have with thee I share. What you're saying is what is mine is yours. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what that last part does? You're asking, you're invoking, you're saying, God, I'm asking your power to come over this agreement, this covenant. God, I'm asking your hands on this. God, I'm asking you to be with us. God, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to let this be a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual decision. It's a spiritual covenant. It's a spiritual commitment that we're making to one another. And so, God, we're invoking that. We're asking that you would literally take over. And it's in your name we claim these things. And in your name that we what? We promise these things. That's how powerful vows are. That we're, we're, we're literally praying the divine on these commitments and these, these things that we're saying to each other. And I, and I know, listen, people can get hokey with some of the the, the vows that they do, especially Hollywood and some of them, they're like, hey, man, I'll make you a milkshake every day and all this kind of junk. But, man, whenever we look at it, we go, you know what? I'm making a commitment for a lifetime. 
And there may be some of you in here, maybe you're single. I know we've got a lot of singles here at Journey. I would just encourage you, make sure, hey, this is someone you want to spend the rest of your life with. Make sure this is someone that you're willing to honor those words whenever you say them to them. And, and, and so one of the best ways to keep from getting in, having a divorce is to make sure you've married the right person on the front end. Divorce-proof your marriage before you ever even think about getting married. And then here's the other thing. Like I said, take, take divorce off the table. So you know what? It's not going to be used as a rock to, to, to scare people with. You know, you do that. I'm just going to divorce you. We can't do that. Take divorce off the table and say, you know what? It's not an option. It's never an option. But we're committed to each other. We're going to work things out. And so we've got to have that mentality. And so I just want to challenge you whenever you look at this. Maybe you say, you know, Mike, I don't remember our vows. I don't remember what they were. I'll take those. And say, you know what? I'm going to look at these. And not just, and I know people do vow renewals like 25 years and 50 years. Or maybe when you've made it through a tough time. But I would say maybe we look at our vows. You know, and some of you may have to look at them every day this week. And remember, hey, this is what I committed to. And maybe, maybe once a week you look at them. Or what, maybe once a month you go back and you look at your vows and you say, this is what we committed to. Some of you guys had your wedding recorded. You had it video recorded. Go back and watch what you said to your spouse. Go back and watch what you promised God. Go back and watch what you asked people to witness. And then ask yourself, am I committed? I don't want anybody to be in a dangerous relationship. But if you've got a relationship that maybe it's just strained, you know, maybe you're just not getting along, maybe the, the emotions have, have kind of leaked out of it, man, I want to challenge you to, to commit to do what it takes to get back there to where it was in the beginning. Do what it takes to get that relationship where it honors God. Think back to, again, you know, He is all about love. He's all about forgiveness. He's all about sacrifice. He's all about commitment. Here's, here's a couple of steps here. Maybe you could take today. Commit fresh and new to love my spouse as Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled sacrifice. Jesus modeled commitment. Jesus modeled serving. Jesus modeled what we ought to do in, the, in our marriage and for our spouse. You might say, well, Jesus wasn't married. Jesus married to the church, His bride. The church is His bride. And He cares for the church, and He cares for it. He serves it. He blesses it. He protects it. And so we've got to have that mentality. You know, God, help me to be committed to my spouse as Jesus was. Help me to be committed to loving my spouse the way Jesus loves the church. God, help me to be committed to sacrifice and being willing to sacrifice whatever it takes for my, my bride or my, or my spouse or my husband or whatever to succeed. And God, help me to be committed to the way Jesus is committed to all believers. Look at the second one. Maybe, maybe the next step for me today is to look back at the vows I made to God and to my spouse. Maybe just do that. You go back and say, you know what, I'm going to look back and see what I said. And then honor what I said. This last one here. To trust God in His plans. Yeah, I'm going to take a step today. I'm going to trust God. And you might say, Mike, I don't really feel like trusting God on this. I want out. And I get that. I understand that there's times we want out. You know, we want to go a different direction. We feel like it's got to be better. You know, I look around and I see all these people. I look at Facebook and everybody's life seems perfect. Their marriage seems perfect. You know, and we, some, whatever reason, we fall for the, that de- delusion that everything's perfect. They're just putting their best pictures out there. And they're just saying what you, they, you know, they think that you want them to say. And a lot of it, you know, if we saw them on their darkest days, they don't always post that. 
So everybody goes through tough days. We all have ups and downs. And there's days that we, we're, you know, we're all in. And there's days like, man, I just, I wish I could go on an island by myself. But are you committed? If you're a follower of Christ, are you committed? Are you committed to be a witness for your kids? See, your marriage is part of your witness. How you handle your relationships is part of your witness, not only to your children, but to your family, your extended family. It's part of your witness to your community. It's part of your witness in the church. How you honor your vows and your promises and your commitments is part of your witness. And so does it deserve full attention? Does it deserve your best effort? Absolutely. So the question is, is will you trust God? And say, God, I don't feel it, but I'm trusting you. See, we're not told to walk by sight. We're told to walk by faith. And God, I'm putting faith in you. I don't see it, but God, I trust you. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know there's a lot of hurting people in this room today. I know there's a lot of people in here that maybe their marriages are struggling. And I know there's a lot of you in this room that maybe you're on your second, third, fourth marriage. And I hope you're not feeling beat up today. But I hope you're feeling challenged to be committed in whatever relationship you're in to work at it from this point forward. God doesn't cast you aside. He always works to redeem you. He always works to restore you. He always works to refresh you and to refuel you for the journey ahead. And I know commitment seems maybe almost too big a burden today. But I just want to encourage you to trust God and His plan and His guidelines for marriage. I promise you it's best. There may be some of you in this room that you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never asked Jesus to come and live within you. I promise you He's what you need. promise you he'll change your life and maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in christ but you realize you know what that's that's me i want you to know this i pray for god to send people just like you here every sunday i pray for the people who are in our, our community who are hurting for those that are lost those that don't know god i pray that god would bring them here we try to go out and be about that as we live our lives, but I also pray that God would bring them here on Sunday morning so they could hear truth and they could hear hope. So if that's you, we pray for you to be here. We prayed this morning at 7 o'clock for God to bring people just like you here. We prayed this weekend at man camp for God to bring the lost to our church that we might be able to share with them the hope of the world. So if you're here, it's not by accident, I promise you. It is the power of God drawing you unto Him. It is the Spirit of God drawing you unto Him, and He wants to give you life. Life abundantly. And so if that's you, I just, man, I want to I encourage you to put your faith in Christ. I want to lead you through a simple prayer. It's, it's a prayer that becomes your prayer, not my prayer. But I just want to help you walk through this prayer. And it's as simple as this, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you can change me. I believe that you can save me. I believe that you can forgive me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you, will you forgive me of the sins I've committed? Because I have committed many. Jesus, will you forgive me? And his answer is yes. 
And then I said, Jesus, I want to ask you not only to forgive me, but to help change me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. I want to, I want to live for you, God. I want to live the way that Jesus did. I want to love the way that Jesus did. And I'm just telling you, if that is your decision, if that is your heart today, if that's you, then here's the thing. If you pray that prayer in faith, you will be saved. You become a part of the family of God. You become a child of God. And so I, want to, I just want to walk you through it real quick. You say, Jesus, I, have, I want to confess my sins to you. I am a sinner. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And I want to ask you to save me. And Jesus, I want, to, I want to quit living the way I've been living, and I want to live for you. If that is your prayer, you will be saved. You might say, it's got to be more than that, Mike. No, it's, it's by faith that we're saved. Jesus has already taken care of everything. It's just receiving the gift of eternal life that only comes through Jesus. If that's you, man, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to celebrate that with you. If you, if you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody? Last week we had like seven people give their life to Christ, and it was awesome. And I, I like I said, we pray every week for somebody to come here to hear the gospel. Anybody? I know there's lots of marriages in the room. They've got strain. The relationship's not what it should be. Man, I want, I want to pray for you guys. If you made a decision today, man, you want to come back to the VIP room, I'll be back there after the service, and there'll be others back there that can talk with you and help you. Father, I thank you for the marriages that are here in this room. God, I pray for your blessing. And I pray for every believer in this room that, God, we would have the mentality of being committed, a commitment to marriage the way that you see marriage, God, that we wouldn't redefine it. God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't look for someone else to tell us what marriage is. We would look to the Word of God. And so, God, I pray for the marriages that are in this room. Maybe the emotions are gone. Maybe the feelings are gone. God, I pray right now. I pray for you to restore uh, Lord Father, some of these marriages. I pray for you to help them take the, have the courage to go get counseling, God, to begin to take those steps. God, that they would put the resources, the time, the energy, and the effort into their marriage. God, we put it in our kids, but we won't put it in our marriage. And so, God, I just pray, that, pray for every marriage that's represented here. God, that we'd put the time into our marriage, that we would honor our word. God, we'd go back and we would look at our vows, and we would seek to honor you first and then our words and our spouse. In Jesus' name, amen.